And I'm on tacticaldistributors.com right now, I'm trying to get more of these Neptune pants, 4.0s. The skinnies or the slims, I don't know what they are, but they, they're sick. So I need more. Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off at checkout. Just go on there, get whatever you want. They have everything. You know what else it gets you? What's it get me? Bitches. 15% off, Unpossible 15. God, we're going to be on fire today. Season two. Yeah. Jay. Jacked up for season two. I know. Season two. We're back. We're back. What's new about season two? Anything? They're seeing it right now. Uh, we're we're shooting in color now. Oh, we are? Fuck no. I should have put some makeup on. High definition. High def. Oh, we are in 4K for sure. Oh. Oh. What a pour. I don't know. I'm going to. Atlanta Barber School or Barber School. Bar yeah, Barber. Barber. I might start cutting your hair. <laughs> I'm bartending school. I, I wouldn't need to go to like, what is it, cosmetology? What do you yeah, call yeah. it for girls? Yeah. Empire Get some school rollers beauty. in your hair. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We'll help you out on that pouring etiquette. If there's something, oh man, don't don't come in here talking shit. You went to the Atlanta <laughs> right. bartending school. Mike, you're from Tacoma. I'm from the small town. I'm fresh off a brewer's ass and you're making me homesick. <laughs> so, Jake. Yes, sir. We're here with our buddy Mike, Seven Cs, the unofficial alcohol sponsor of the Live Cure Die podcast. Yes. And you wouldn't know because you I got only Canada Dry drink uh, Cavassier, right? But I tell you, this Seven Cs of beer, it's no joke. That's it's good. And now, and they bought the old building that Heidelberg was brewed in. They're brewing this now. It's a delicious lager. Like this is, um, thank you, sir. What along the lines, or was during the time of uh, what PBR and all these other. Yeah, like sort of throwback, nostalgic lager, traditionally brewed right back in its home. Like when Schlitz came out again like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's delicious. Well, thank you. And I can drink several of these in the podcast without getting too torp. Oh, cheers. Oh, Campari. <laughs> so you and this are from uh, Tacoma, Washington. Uh, I'm from yeah? Gig Harbor. Uh, Gig Gig Harbor. I thought that's he said Dink Harbor. I was like, that's fucking cool. Gig's a cool name. <laughs> Gig Harbor's cool, too. Gig Harbor, small fishing community right there. And Tacoma's just right across the Narrows Bridge. And so kind of sister cities right there. It doesn't seem too different from here, really. No. Portsmouth, same sort of vibe. It's incredible the similarities. Having been here yeah. for a couple of days. Uh, military, sub bases, logging industry. I've heard Nirvana on the radio like three fucking times since I've been here. It's like I never left. How'd you get started? So you so um, you own Seven Seas Brewery. Is that correct? This is the name of this place? That's right. Yeah. Co-founded Seven Seas Brewery. So how long ago? So th- you're not new. <sighs> no, nah, man. We've been around for a minute. I think in the in the craft beer world, you know, we're kind of getting up there in age. We're coming up on 13 years. Yeah, I'd wow. say so. And you're still baby-faced. Started young, like me. Yeah, we uh, we got going like fresh out of college. You know, I did four years at Wazoo, Washington State University. Call that four years of research and development. Yeah. Cut my teeth, uh, you know, and found a passion for for wanting to love what you do. I found uh, an appreciation for beer at a very young age. And so it only <laughs> made sense naturally. And at that point, it was a different world. You know, there was a yeah. thousand breweries in the country. And now we're knocking on uh, probably 10,000 here 12 years later. Yeah, I think it's got to be, Jay, one of those jobs where 
most people that work in a brewery do not hate their life or their no. job, I would say. Is that fair? That is fair. I mm-hmm. think it's in, it would be in the top five happy fucking people at work jobs. Like, I think it would be in my top five places to work. Yeah. A brewery. Yeah, or distillery. One. I don't know. And in my perspective, working at a, a gun manufacturer would also be yeah. one of those jobs where people go, that looks fucking awesome. Not all of them. See, I, I think it's probably like your industry. If you work for a craft brewer and, and you know, it's small and, and you still got the core people with the passion, it's a great place to work. I bet people that work at big Anheuser and Busch right. factories are probably don't feel the same way about their work would be my guess. It's like anything, right? Kind of the mass produced large scale. There comes a point where there's nothing unique, nothing authentic about it. It's just a commodity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still, in my mind, want to believe that people work for you and it's a lifestyle where, you know, working at a big, you know, brewery like an Anheuser-Busch sort of thing would be more of a job career. Yeah. That's where you get that disconnect. That, mm. Like we've seen it at other firearms manufacturers, but the the guy on the floor making parts has a huge disconnect from the actual product. Whereas like with a, a smaller brewery or a, like a craft brewery or Q or whatever, there's not that, that drastic disconnect. And I think that yeah. helps with the whole, like you said, it makes it a lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, a good, like who wouldn't want to make beer or guns all day? Like in theory, just simplifying it and saying that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, <coughs> Fostering it into a career, right? Um, having opportunity to uh, to grow and develop in your role and responsibilities, and have like a livelihood where you can work at the same place for twenty, thirty years. That's that's a dream in fostering that environment. Yeah, I think, and and it could have been the same for you or different. But my goal or my fear was that I would work in a factory like my father, and I would have done anything, probably even been a criminal before I would have done that. It seemed like a terrible life. Like seeing when I was young how miserable my father was and then hearing about factory and then like once a year they would have like family day where we would go there. Like it's to me it just seemed like going to prison. And and so I think a goal for me has been to never feel like I have a job because that's the what I thought of a job, you know. And um, I think I've been pretty successful in that. Like I've only, I only feel like I've really worked two or three years in my life because I still love it every day. I'm still passionate about it and, and probably more than even 20 years ago. So I don't know. Is that, is that the sense or feeling that you get? Like, did you start, did, did you really want to do this to avoid having like a real job? <clears throat> having a real job never even like really occurred to me. Oh, that's awesome then. You know, and this is like, this is the only career, the only life that I know, like yeah. fresh out of college. But out of college, like you knew already or was oh, yeah. it a, oh, I've got to get a job. I don't really want to get a job. This is it. But you, you were already planning this. We already knew. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's hard to explain because I think you, I'm fortunate in that regard and you are. But I think it's a very small percentage of people that find that at a young age. And it's something that even can provide you with a living. I'm a true believer in that things can choose you. Yeah. And that there's a rhyme and a reason behind things. And if something's not meant to be, it doesn't happen. And so time and time again, over our history as a company, I've been blown away by um, by doors that have opened and doors that have closed and even better ones that have opened up for us. Yeah. It seems like there's just. That's a positive mindset. It's a, it's a little bit West Coast, but I, I feel it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a bit of a mindset. You know, you can look at everything as poor me and 
that's not meant to be, oh, or that's just a hurdle that we're going to jump or it's a problem we're going to solve. Or, yes, the universe telling me I thought it was this way, but it's really this direction, but we're still you know, going towards our goal. Well, don't get me wrong either. You can't sit back and just expect things to just come at you, right? Like you got to get out there and fucking grind for it and work for it. And if it's meant to be, it happens. And if it doesn't, you just got to accept that and move on. Yeah. And you can do it without without it seeming like work. But I think it's very foreign to most people because I still go back to I don't think most people find that throughout their lives. And, you know, if you see somebody who, I don't know, has a factory job but is really into maintaining their yard or gardening or, you know, they spend every spare penny and moment they have bowling or whatever their other passion is you know it's separate from like their vocation and and to me i guess that's okay but it would be so traumatizing for me and sad for me that i know i work a ton but i don't ever feel like it i mean it's it's rare that i feel like it's work it only really feels like work to me when it's like the managing people part that i don't enjoy so much that's not my strong suit either. Mm. But at the same time, no matter what the day holds, being able to crack a cold beer at the end of the day and take a deep breath kind of puts it all in perspective. The only way you were wrong in that statement was at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we're very fortunate, too. I mean, we have an incredible team of yeah. talented people, as you do, yeah. that make it all work. And that is... Um, that, that's how it all comes together and we're able to do what we do and have the freedoms to be able to utilize our strengths. Yeah. Yeah, oh. it, it definitely takes a team. I mean, I'm just not organized or I don't think I have the work ethic to, you know, there's not a job at the company I couldn't do, but I would be miserable. And recognizing what you're weak at and what you're strong at and focusing on those things and getting good people, but having smart, good people to help you to accomplish this overall goal, get everybody to buy in. Mm-hmm. You know, because Q is not, you know, I named it and started it, but it takes we on a life of itself y- at some point. Yeah, we could. I couldn't have gotten anything done without, you know, the 10 other guys originally. It's just the way it is. I'm very fortunate. I have an incredible business partner and we balance each other out strengths and weaknesses very well. Yeah. And, you know, he's my first wife. We've been married now Ugh. for 13 years because a business partnership and being business partners is very similar to a marriage through thick and thin and the challenges we faced we had a real honest conversation when we first started the company we're like 23 years old and it was like hey i guarantee that we're going to want to like knuckle up and like drop each other at some point probably many times yeah and we just got to realize and remember that we're brothers and we're in this for a common cause and to be able to move past those moments and not let them set us back because you see too many business partnerships where people butt heads and there's egos and it's too proud. And all of a sudden this, this whole incredible thing that was created is dissolved. And we've yeah. balanced that really well. For me, I think it's, I've avoided ever having a business partner and probably for those reasons. Well, that's the best business partner. I think what you're saying is, is the way I feel. It's, it, it's like I can want my way and whether it's Ethan or Thomas or whoever else, you can want your way. At the end of the day, I own the company. But also, with that being said, trying to drop the ego, it's like, what's best for the company? If somebody else's idea is best for the overall goal of our company, which we all know what that is, fine with me. I don't want to have to think of everything. Is that something you've always realized or something that's been evolved and learned throughout your history? I mean, I think I'm always evolving and learning. I I will say with Q, the majority of the mistakes we've made is I I, I, I think a baby shark is still a shark. 
and you know, I'm the second oldest person at our company and next year I'll be the oldest person. Um, I believe that I always want young people to have a opportunity because, you know, I think I had an opportunity when I was young and took advantage of it. And I always anticipate if I give someone the opportunity, they'll rise to the occasion. That happens half the time. I'm wrong half the time with that. Um, so, but I think when I felt strongly about something and it's just not, I don't think that I'm, you know, I'm probably average at our company or just below being smart. Like there's probably half the company smarter than me, but there's still a reason I'm the boss. And a lot of it based on my experience, you know, I got 28 years experience or something in our industry. Every time I feel like we should do something and I disagree with someone and it really like eats at me and I let them have their way because, you know, they manage whatever department I would say most of the time I've been right and they've been wrong. And it's just been, I think it's an experience thing. And some of it is I want to let younger people in our company have ownership in what they're doing and whether that's managing or that's doing certain jobs. And you got to realize too, I don't know, maybe it's like raising kids. You got to let people fuck up and you hope that they're smart enough to learn from that. And what I really love is when they'll listen to me and evaluate that and take that into consideration based on, you know, well, okay, well, Maybe Kevin doesn't know everything, but he's been through this 14 times and it's my first time. Mm. Um, I don't know. Business is tough in that regard. <clears throat> I questioned my, uh, um, <clears throat> I questioned my, uh, my gut sometimes early on and I've learned over the years to trust it through, yeah. through trial and error. I said, man, I, you know, that was the right call and I should have put my foot down more, but I yeah. didn't. And, uh, and that's all right. You know, I mean, learned and it's trial and error. And probably at 13 years, you should pay more attention to your gut now than six or seven years ago. Well, you know, you evolve so much too. Um, family, life experience, business, uh, external factors that heavily affect you. You just got to roll with it. And, you know, those curveballs are going to continue to come forever. You just got to be good at dealing with them. Yeah. And I mean, you guys are subject to, well, the, the, the same regulatory agency we are, but you know, we, we've been in our industry in firearms been affected by politics and news, school shootings, whatever, so much, you know, uh, presidential elections, whatever the thing is. And you guys have probably been more insulated from us. Like nobody's ever saying ban alcohol because that's not like a partisan issue, really. Like everybody drinks. Um, it, it doesn't garner the vote. It's probably more of the glue that keeps everyone together. Yeah. Even if it's a thin thread. Yeah. I think, I think if people are honest, yeah, absolutely. And, We've always, and, and especially during this time, cause that's what I was going to say. Like, like you guys, this, this may be the, the most diversity from, you know, like outside factors that you, that you face with your business, like COVID cause you have tap rooms and everything. And all of a sudden you're in like a crazy state in that regard, like everywhere on the West coast seems bananas about the COVID stuff and shutting down places and just being unreasonable about you've got debt and bills to pay. And the way you get money is you get people to come in and drink beer and buy beer and they shut it all down, but you're still expected to pay your bills. That's some, yeah, that's stressful. It was a rough go, you know, and I, it's nice to see some positive movement now, but, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You feel like you can throw and you could have prior, but now it's proven. I mean, you can throw anything at us and we're fighters. You yeah, know, we're not going down and we can work through anything. And that's uh, powerful to know as well in my mind. Man, I, I love that. But that's something you can't 
like even at our company, I can give people opportunity. But I mean, you're either you either got that or you don't. I felt like I was Rocky climbing the stairs <laughs> when COVID started. I was like, I don't care what the fuck happens. Like we're gonna fight through this, and I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, um, but we're gonna deal with it. And that's just how it's gonna go. Yeah, I think we were fortunate too. You know, we we didn't have to lay anyone off or do anything like that. You know, and it was, we went through kind of the learning stages of it. You know, I don't run operations at the company. And when it first kicked off, of course, there's a couple of employees that are always freaked out. And so we made the, well, we, but the decisions were made a couple of times at the company to shut down for a week or two. And I'm like, you know, after the second time, I like, you know, have the executive meeting. I'm like, okay, so uh, everybody's still getting full pay. And the state is allowing us to remain open. But we're deciding to shut down. Okay, where's this money coming from that we're paying everybody with? You know, and and that was some difficult conversations. But, you you know, to to remind everyone, it's like, well, you know, if if we're not working and producing and shipping stuff, then you're basically paying everyone out of my checking account. So uh, I'm cool with that if we're uh, working and shipping stuff. Yeah, it was a unique position for it not to be a choice. I mean, to be, to have the, to have the right to create revenue and to have a business and, uh, to have that removed from you without question and then to not have, you so, know, insurance pay as it appropriately should for business interruption. And uh, it's insurance in my mind, an incredibly, um, un-American, an incredibly insightful view into the, how the world really works. Oh, well it, yeah. And it's also sad that I think it shows that you know, America, we're not doing it as good as we used to. Like, I, I still believe, you know, you and I were talking about it yesterday when I heard on the radio that there's this extreme labor shortage in America. And I was like, how is that possible? And it's like, well, no, we don't have a labor shortage. Like, we have a problem with social welfare. Like, if people don't want to work, there's easy ways for them not to and to get free money. And if you let people starve, it's amazing how many people are going to want to go to work. I mean, I think it's fair to say that your American right is to have the opportunity to experience success, but it's not just given to you. You do have to work for it. So having that opportunity to better yourself is an incredible American right, but it also means you got to work for it. Yeah, I think we're losing that. And I think you got a fair amount of the population that's wanting to rewrite that and think that it's guaranteed. Yeah, I'm sad. Well, what, uh, well, let's move on. It's getting dark. Jay's getting sad. I'm not getting sad. <laughs> what, what, uh, I was, I was learning. Well, how, how, uh, I don't, I got all kinds of questions. Seven C's, where'd that come from? Seven C's, the name itself, you know, we, uh, wanted to pay homage to, to our hometown, which is very much a, a fishing community and a community on the waterfront, but we didn't want to name our company after our town because we had ambitions beyond just our hometown. And so Seven Seas was a, a fun way to incorporate the maritime heritage of our communities, but also be able to, like, from a marketing perspective, really integrate, like, beer styles from all around the world. Yeah. Seven Seas has, you know, this worldwide connotation. So if we want to brew a, an Asian lager or we want to do a Southern Hemisphere beer or any different combination there, it really fits within a nice cohesive brand. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good name. And, and I love the I love using numbers and names as well. I mean, because to me, like, just iconography and stuff but you know use the seven big on all your cans and 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 i like that it's not all that different from using q you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's a letter what the hell does it mean but it's an icon you can recognize it you can make it small big yeah and you're you're not 
yeah, making pigeonholing yourself to uh, one area or one thing. Numbers are cool. Like, yeah. and like uh, Steve Olson's kid, Alex, he did 917, 411 magazine, like video magazine. Like one, one of the um, names in the running for Q that I had that was a finalist was 09. That's cool. And, and that was actually, they made number plates for BMX when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll, even then, when I was like six years old, I was like, that's so cool. Because I was sponsored um, the whole seven years that I raced. So I was on racing teams. And so they were sponsored by different companies for like your number plates or your pads or your pedals or right. your whatever. And we were sponsored by Haro for our number plates the first few years I raced and I wanted to be sponsored by zero nine so bad. Like That's I wanted our team cause I just thought it was so cool. Yeah. But that was, yeah. Inadvertently it worked out so that when you put an alphabetical list together, typically so, numbers are always at the fucking top. Yeah. And I was like, well, this just worked out great. That was a cool thing with advanced armament too. It was always yeah. first double a there's a unrelated, but has to do with the, the, uh, alphabet or whatever. There's a dude, he's a local tattooer here. He worked at a place called Artistic Inc. Uh, and it was spelled A-A-R, Artistic Inc. or whatever. Only because at the oh. time it was in the phone book. Yeah, so the phone be the book first. Be first. Yeah. I like when you used to look at the old phone book and it was double A roofing, triple A roofing, <laughs> quad A roofing. Yeah. Like people just kept tanking one on. In fact, Seven uh, C's logo was originally drawn by a tattoo artist. It was like a nautical compass pointed to the northwest. And so when we were first putting the branding together, we also partnered with a, a good friend of mine and tattoo artist that drew our original logo. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I like the style. I like what you guys do. I like the simplicity of the marketing, the packages. Because I don't. How many IPAs do you guys have? Like five or six? Oh, fuck load of IPAs. We love our IPAs, and yeah. we're also from you know hot mecca here in Washington State and Yakima Valley. So um, we like to sport that, and it's the beers we like to make. Yeah, I like drinking them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the colors, the graphics, everything on the can. We uh, have developed our brand kind of. Um, ourselves and we've worked with different artists to try to take what's in our brains and put that onto the can and it's taken many evolutions to come up with what we're happiest with we've always been heavily inspired by a lot of the old vintage beer brands yeah. and so like i'm happier now more than ever on our branding and our aesthetic it's the most true to to what our belief our company is and what we stand for than ever yeah the craft beer i mean you see the gamut like people get really into decorating the cans yeah and like many things, everyone all over the country thinks the beer where they're from is the best. And so people send us tons of alcohol and beer. And half the beer, half the half the craft beer is great, and half of it is shit. I mean, we, we have gotten some shit beer that nobody drinks. And then so also the graphics on the cans, like half of it's awesome and half of it is what the hell are they thinking? Well, it's been really interesting. I mean, most breweries have pivoted to packaging. And specifically now in cans, because draft beer had such a huge setback. And so now you've got companies that never designed graphics or packaging before that are all of a sudden packaging their product. Not all products should be packaged. I mean, the fact is, is once you put it on a store shelf for 30, 60, 90, 120 days, I mean, you have to have incredible packaging, quality control to be able to ensure that beer is going to taste good. And that's the responsibility of the consumer. Well, you guys do. Well, what's the percentage? You distribute your beer in your region. Uh, right now, strictly in Washington State. Washington State. And so then you have tap rooms. Like, what's the split? Like, you, you so you sell a lot off the tap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, tap rooms are incredibly important for craft breweries because that's where you're making your full margin. 
it's also where you're getting like the brand experience. When you're buying a beer, you're just judging it on a tap handle or a can. I did better. And being able, um, that's a that's a nice amount of head, sir. <laughs> I figured that you would be a fan uh, yeah. of such a thing. So, <laughs> oh jeez, you guys need top. Go on. Um, I don't need a bunch of artificial head. <laughs> what, what we've found is that you know providing an incredible customer service experience and educating people about craft beer and also our beers and our brand and what we're about is is our best marketing tool. And it's an opportunity to, for them to get like truly our personality and our experience that we've that we've developed. And I, I think you and I see eye to eye on a lot of that with business. Because I don't care about, I mean, I don't know, maybe you want to grow up to be Budweiser. Like, I, I don't. Nope. No, I have no interest in that. I, I would give the company away before I would submit to that shit. What, what, um, okay, well, a couple things. What makes your beer good or special or better than others? And, you know, Jay, this is starting to seem like the tap rooms, because, you know, we love going. Stone Face here locally, mm-hmm. great rhythm. Uh, you know, we support local too, and they got some good beers here. But it's almost like, uh, like I will never go to Starbucks, not because I'm just snotty, but I just don't love coffee that much. And but I do love beer that much. So, you know, I would have never invested in Starbucks, and it's ridiculous, but that's become such a part of life now in mainstream. People who can't afford to go go and. You know, it's a big part probably of <laughs> you, me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, of people's just like monthly budget is Starbucks, which seems silly to me. I mean, I, when I want coffee, I just make it here. It's, cheap. it's one of those luxuries, you know, that's the yeah, experience for, for five right. bucks. You're like, hey, I've just treated myself. Right. Yeah. But I, I view like I like having beer, but I love having beer at Stoneface more than I love having beer Right, at like the office or the yeah. house or whatever like that experience going there with friends and i see i haven't been to your facility or your tap rooms but i see on your website the tap room i'm like oh man waterfront that place looks awesome i would hang out there all day and drink beer mm-hmm. so i think that's like part of the experience like a gathering place so it's it's kind of a hybrid of like a starbucks and a bar it seems well i think the community gathering space has always been part of beer yeah and beer culture i also think now people are more in tune with where do my products come from? And so providing the experience of come visit the manufacturing facility. It's like visiting your guys' facility. Yeah, that's always cool for boys. Yeah. It's incredibly special to come yeah. and see where your guys' guns are built. Yeah. You know, and it, for people that care about beer, you know, and, and care about where things come from or whether it's it's beef or vegetables or whatever it yeah. may be that you care about, like knowing where that comes from and there's authenticity there. Because we're now from a world of just such mass consumed consumerism that everything's um, at such a high production level. It takes out all the authenticity of it. And that's what drew me to enjoying your guys' brand. It's because I could tell. Yeah. How did you find out about us? What's up with that? uh, I think, you know, we were... uh, probably reeling with with COVID and some of the things and trying to get inspired and energized again. And I was playing around on YouTube and looking online. And I think I saw like something real, something authentic. I enjoy firearms um, as recreation. And I said, man, like there's some people that are building real shit and pushing the envelope a lot like what we've done. And I enjoy the backstory. I enjoy innovation, pushing things, being a pioneer. Um, Seven Seas was the first brewery in Washington State to can craft beer, and twelve years oh, ago, really? that, yeah, twelve years ago, that was like 
fucking unheard of, right? There you did was, it 12 years ago. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we weren't the first in the I country. I mean, that was unheard of here 12 years ago. Um, but for us, it was a no-brainer. You know, growing up, Puget Sound, beaches close by, We our first tagline that we came up with was no more broken glass and heavy trash. You know, we want people to pack it in, pack it out, enjoy oh, okay. the outdoors. Yeah. But nothing pissed us off more growing up than some asshole who broke a beer bottle on the beach. Yeah. Um, so it, it's much more conducive to the lifestyle of the area in which we're in. So it was a no-brainer. That's cool. I mean, that makes me like it even better. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, understanding those stories and where it's authentic. It's not like, well, well, it's cheaper to can than to bottle. But it's, it's yeah, there are advantages to each. I like bottled beer fine, but I'm with you on the trash. Yeah. The proliferation of craft breweries. And we can shoot cans when we're done with them. <laughs> That's true. The proliferation of craft breweries, I mean, it's a good thing. People are having entrepreneurial endeavors and they're creating yeah. things. And those things typically support a lot of local nonprofits within their communities. And it's great. But there also, you know, should be a responsibility, you know, not to just be a local product, but to be a high quality local product. Yeah. And so, you know, for a long time and still is probably the largest issue in our industry is quality. Is that it's great to make beer, but making beer quality consistently. Consistency. Um, and making sure to have that value if someone's going to spend the money and invest in you or, or. I've always taken it seriously. Like, I don't mind charging a lot for our product, but, you know, it's a lot goes into it. But I expect the customer to feel like they get a good value. And it's very, very rare, I think, that we disappoint a customer an actual mm. customer. You know, like one great thing about small business now is with social media and all, you can reach your customers. One stupid thing about social media is you can get anonymous douchebags. But real customers, because that's a part of our company that I'm always interested in, because like you, I, I want to know that quality or whatever matters to the customer that we're delivering, we exceed the customer expectation, and I want the experience to be awesome every time. And, you know, I don't ever want to be a huge gun company, and I'm not trying to compete with anyone. So, like, our product just costs what it costs, and we've got a pretty simple formula. I'm not complicated with it. We have a huge engineering payroll, and you know, and, and an expense. And I expect innovation for our products to be better and different in a way that marketing can explain it. And I expect that when the novice customer and we're fortunate for them to spend their money with us. They buy one of our products. And whether they've got millions of dollars or they live paycheck to paycheck and they save up to get the product, that they get it and it exceeds expectation, that it enhances the user experience, and that they're excited about our brand because of that. You know, that that's the, that's the cool part about it to me. I mean, I think you can feel that. I think that yeah. when there is... Um authenticity and love and respect put into building any product yeah that whether it may not be tangible like you can feel it on the other end yeah and um, whether you recognize it or not yeah and I, I think there's some people that can appreciate it and for whatever reason you know um and i accept that and i'm fine with that and i don't want everyone to be our customer and that's fine with me i don't want to be the biggest gun company in the world like i want to be the best at what we choose to do and I, I feel like we're doing that and we don't have, I mean, you can't fake it. I mean, you can't fake like being cool. You can't fake making the best shit. You can't fake engineering and innovation. And eventually, you know, that just all washes out. Well, I think you can fake it for a certain amount of time, but eventually yeah, you, you don't have longevity. It's going to catch up to you. Yeah. And I think the true test of any company is, 
to some extent, depending on the product, the industry, being successful for one, two, three years, five years, that's, that's, that's a, a goal and something that you should be proud of. But man, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, like that's when you've been through some shit and you've evolved and you have done what it takes to ensure that your products live up to, um, uh, to longevity. And, you know, that's what we want to create. We want to create a brand that isn't just a flash in the pan, but something that yeah. delivers quality, consistency to our customers. We want our team to love to work for us. I think that the, the thing yeah. that people typically tripped out about is they'd go order a beer and they're like, why are you so happy to the server or to one of our brewers at the bar? Like, it's not normal. You're at work. And like, well, I love what I do. And so if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. And so for me, the largest challenge is trying, and it's never perfect, but to cultivate an environment where your team is excited to be there. Because that, um, um, that is contagious, and people yeah. can feel it. Well, it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can't fake it. Like, if I don't run the company, it's not somebody that believes in what we're doing and loves it. If it's somebody we bring in to just grow the company, yeah, I mean, that changes morale. Yeah. When it's the decision-making, right? I can tell from looking at you guys talk about some of your products and the nitty gritty details that I think many companies probably overlook. But these are things that are discussed and thought through and thought about all the way down to aesthetics. And, yeah. it, and it is everything. I mean, for us, it wasn't just making great beer, but it was also putting like a great brand together, mm-hmm. you know, and conveying, you know, what we're about the best we can. Yeah, I, I think to be as successful as I hope to be. And I think it's the same for you. You got to put it all together. Like it's, it's, I tell the engineers all the time, you know, it's, it's cool if they can design the best thing ever, but if there's not a need for it or there's, we don't have the ability to market it or convey the story. It doesn't matter if it's the best. Yeah. I think the hard part too, is that you're doing R and D you're developing new products. It's really exciting. But by the time you roll out that product, you're probably already thinking about some tweaks that you'd like to make. Well, that's a point that I uh, I made recently to someone who seemed very hurt because we wouldn't give them an exact ETA on 8-6. And I was like, we're not going to give you a date over social media because even if it's good enough, we're not going to roll it out. Like, we're going to wait till it's done. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to wait till it's done. Like, there are companies that will do, oh, it's good enough to roll out and we'll just fix it later on. Like... And I don't think yes, we want to be that. I, I wonder what's gotten people. I mean, people, you're right. There's a fair percentage, 10% maybe, of our customers, I don't know, or people who are involved in social media, that feel they are entitled to an ETA of exactly when they're going to be able to purchase something. Well, and I'm just like, well, that's a stupid way for us to do business. Because if yeah. we have an artificial timeline, then inevitably in some products there's going to be a compromise at the last minute to get you that and and for me we're looking at the long game you know i'm building a brand we're building a company that you know i want to be a part of till the day i die and so you're the product's going to be available when it's ready i mean you would hope that that people would understand the fact that i'm doing everything i fucking can yeah like get you i want your the highest quality product don't. as soon as fucking possible like that is in my best interest yeah it's it's only five to ten percent but well, they're ridiculous well, one but thing you're I'm, right a, a reasonable person like you get it well sometimes part of the misconception probably is is that from the surface people have no idea the size of your company 
I find that, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to invest in our future and destiny. We bought a very large historic brewery, but it is so much larger than our company. But because the building's large, they have this idea that Seven Seas is a, it's a huge company. Like, and we are tiny, you know, and we are understaffed and we wear multiple hats and we bust our ass. But sometimes people have this conception of like, oh, they're fucking huge. And you're like, not even fucking close. Yeah. Some breweries waste is more than we make annually, you know. And for you guys visiting your place, like, I didn't know what to expect necessarily in the size of scope of your operation, but you realize like, man, there's people here busting their ass every day to try to get you your, your gun, your trigger, whatever it may be as soon as possible and to not risk quality. I mean, that's what their whole job is every fucking day. And they work really hard to do that. Well, the thing that I'm curious about, cause you said before, um, that you're not overly familiar with the, with the firearms industry or whatever. And I personally am not overly familiar with your industry, but what, because there's this um this huge like you said this proliferation of all these new companies or whatever within the within the the beer industry um what is the the kind of is it as cutthroat i guess as like for us for being in a in an industry where everyone screams community 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 two way community this and that you see these it's the most cut like everyone's at each other's throats a lot of companies will do the exact we're all doing the same thing allegedly these companies but this one's going to try to convince you that these people that they'll have the same product oh no theirs sucks ours is good or whatever like and then the the consumer it's all like you pick a team and you ride for that team and everyone else is and it's just it's the least that's so ridiculous, but I agree. Like it's everyone preaches like we should be. Well, t- you know, the people that do that are the people that it's just about guns are only about their constitutional rights. And, you know, for me, I take that for granted in the sense of, of course, we all believe that. But like, I don't work in the firearms industry for your fucking constitutional right. Right. I just don't like accept it or don't hate me for it or don't. It's like it's not what drives me. I am never going to give that up. I would die before I gave it up. But it's not something I go around and preach and we're going to engrave on all the guns. Like, I also love guns because I love to hunt. And I just love the technology of firearms. And I love, I think it's a product, it's a mechanical product that I enjoy using that's simple enough that I can understand and I can participate and make a difference. You know, and, and there are a lot of products that I don't understand, you know, like electronic products. Like, oh, I'm an idiot. Um, and so I love that part of it too. And it seems like the real vocal people are those, you know, like young, super it's right wing and all that's cool. But that the guns are only about the second amendment. And I totally believe in that, but I use my guns for hunting every day. But also those people that you're talking about too, like the people that are screaming to a, to a, blah, blah, blah. We're a community. What are you doing for it? We as a company, contribute more every single day to the to the second yeah. amendment than any of these people well, they're on are. social media talking shit anonymously right. while we're giving day. money to to people fighting for the second amendment like yeah well i think true to anything right a lot of people talk the talk not a lot of people walk the walk no. right and that's where the proofs in actions right like you can sit here and talk all fucking day prove it yeah i mean you're right you know uh, for us i think that what was incredible about the craft beer community and still is incredible to some point is the fact that there is community yeah. there wasn't like this cutthroat competition it's like it's more of um 
if you brew something incredible, like how'd you do that? I want to know. I want to one up that. Like it, it, everyone rises together well, in that way. Well, that's the industry side, so that's cool. But w- what about the consumer side? Do you see that? Because we have, I think, a lot of what Jay's talking about too, is within our industry of but it's really social media and it's like high school and college kids that have anonymous accounts are blindly loyal to brands Mm -hmm. you know and i don't know if 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 seven c sucked and you guys gave us money but i didn't drink the beer i would never say i drink the beer yeah um but that's because you're an authentic person and you speak your mind yeah i don't need it. it it's such a free spot for me like i probably have greater freedom than most people because I'm fortunate. I own my own company. I make plenty of money. I'm in an industry that I love. I don't feel like I work. And I don't fucking have to answer to anybody. And, and you know, I was talking to Swarovski yesterday. I've heard of him. And, yeah. So they're wanting to, to be more involved with us, uh, like in an official capacity. And um, with our new facility, give us, like, a case and optics for when people come in and for employees to use and and all of this and and they give me optics occasionally and occasionally I have to buy them but every optics company because I hunt and shoot a lot and post a lot and they'll view me as influential you know because of our company and I was testing everybody's stuff that they would send me whether it's EOTech you know Leopold Swarovski like companies that I really like but majority of my time is hunting and if I have to, if other companies give me optics and I have to buy Swarovski, I buy their scopes to hunt with. And for my use for hunting, they're just better than everything else. And I don't necessarily want it to be. I would prefer it to be an American company. But they do the best job. Um, you know, and it's not something I'm going to lie about. But it's also stuff that some people can't afford, and it's okay. Their stuff's ridiculously expensive. But I've had half a dozen of their optics, and I've never had a single issue And you know, it enhances every experience I have. But we've gotten away from that, right? It's so nice that there's companies that make products that last. Maybe products that you can hand down to your kids at some point. Yeah. They don't have a 12-month warranty and they break down on the 13th month. Or they don't release the new Model 11 and all of a sudden your 10 battery gets sucked dry in uh, 30 minutes. Right. You know, like having things that last, quality shit is important. Tangible products. But yeah. but also, too, like the, like you were saying with the blind loyalty, like... I, I don't know how it would correlate into the beer industry, but at least for us, you will see a lot of people will be blindly loyal to a company that they have no experience with. They've never talked to anyone from there. They don't have any of the products, whatever. I don't understand the idea of like, I think Porsches are cool cars and I understand that they're quality, but I who am I to say, oh no, this Porsche is actually better than this car? Like, I don't know. Like, or I won't buy a Porsche because the guy in charge is an asshole. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, it's, it's frustrating, but you also accept it, right? Sometimes I go to a bar or restaurant locally and they don't carry our product or it's not on tap at the moment and that's fine. But like I come in here and support you and spend my money with you because I enjoy what you do and that's what I do. But you've got some beers on. Have you ever seen a staff member from that brewery or an owner come in here and support you? Never. You know, do you know that they have a parent company and really you're just paying Budweiser or Miller or something, you know, and so there's blind loyalty, but and I understand why it's difficult for the general consumer to educate themselves because marketing is really good. Right. There are so many craft beer brands that look like this incredible mom and pop shop two blocks down from your house, but they're really owned by a global conglomerate. Yeah. And we call that crafty marketing. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> yeah. instead of just craft beer, it's crafty beer and they're fucking good at it and right. it's working. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. So that makes us need to get even louder 
and say like, understand where your products come from. Yeah. You know, and don't buy our shit just because it's local. Buy it because it's fucking quality. Well, why is your stuff quality? Um, our stuff's quality because we use the best possible ingredients. We have an incredible team of trained staff that, um, that has the opportunity to have a career at our brewery. And so it's something where it's not your, your general manual labor. There are handcrafted touches on every piece of this. You know, it's not some automated brewery. People that create it love it. There's decision making and thought that goes into every single step of the process. And every person that touches that beer has an incredible uh, impact on it. And so it doesn't matter if you're the person brewing the beer. It doesn't matter if you're the sellerman. It doesn't matter if you're the one packing four six packs of cans into a box at the end of the canning line. Like your impact on that beer is important and people won't buy it unless all of those steps are respected. If you got some like dented six pack that's backwards in the box and looks like shit, people aren't going to pick it up off the shelf. See, I would notice that right away if I opened the box. Yeah. Yeah, I I get that. The devil's in the details. And I'd like to think that when you add up all the details that drive you crazy, that all the thought is put into, when you add those up, that's what makes you different than your other competitors. It has to be what separates you. I mean, it has to be. Well, that's like, I mean, take any of our, like the honey badger or the fix, like it's, it's a physical representation of what you just said, where it's like, you've said it before, you want a lightweight gun, you took weight out of every single little detail, you put that together, and then this is the gun you get. Like, yeah. you get the lightweight gun. You get you, all these different you different. Yeah, you can't buy mill spec parts and take weight out of one part. And, but you right. can say that all day long. But until you get a honey badger or a mini fix in someone's hand, and they can feel it and see it and touch it for themselves, it doesn't really become real. Same is true with our beer. I can sit here and tell you that it's like fantastic. It's the best beer ever. But frankly, like I should just shut the fuck up. You should crack open a can and enjoy it. And that's the proof. Same thing with what you guys produce. Like, yeah. don't just take my word for it. Get your hands on one. Borrow a buddy's. Yeah. Go to the range. Come visit. Because I, I, I think you're right. No one should ever believe what I say. I think the thing is you, you earn that credibility over time. And, you know, like I feel like I've done it. If I tell you that this product that we do is great for this reason or that I've got this big gun collection and this is what I use every time I have an opportunity, if anyone's looking or not, um, eventually... And I think we see it already, even with our brand equity, because you see the trigger or the bipod or eight six people without knowing are blindly just just craving it and right. wanting it. Dude, and, that and trigger. Oh, ooh, that trigger good. I saw the pull test last night that yeah. you did on it. It's beautiful. You know, and it's like you're talking about beer quality, consistency. Like that's what we're looking for in in that part and like a trigger is a part but that trigger is made up of like 17 parts right. and if it's not designed and manufactured and QC'd and assembled correctly you're not going to get that result yeah and we expect that result every time and, and you know it's it's so great because people won't know and we're not going to say who it is but um you know it's a foreign government is the first customer for that trigger and we actually really did the trigger because it was a bottleneck for our production for consumer sales. We're like, fuck this. We're going to do our own trigger. We're tired tired of wrestling with American Gold or Geisley. You're making it to where it just makes sense for us to design and manufacture ourselves. And my expectation once we made that decision was for engineering to do the best trigger ever. And that's why we named it that, and that's exactly what they did. And the first run of those, which you were there yesterday when Drew was, it was checking them all, mm-hmm was you know it's hundreds of the first batch being shipped to them 
And we have a very tight requirement for once we put it into Vorak and it checks the trigger pull and it graphs it. You know, we do every trigger three times. And all those graphs are overlaid. And any other trigger we put in there, it's a shit show. And people don't realize it. It's just better than mill spec. Right. But he did not have a single trigger in the very first run, in the first batch that was going of hundreds of triggers. He did not have a single fallout. And even for us, five years ago, impossible. Any other company in our industry, impossible. And that's just their dedication to it. And, and I think us having that culture, and especially with the engineering they want to design stuff, but you know, we have within our industry, very high level engineering and I have very high expectations of them and we mesh very well. And so they expect to be the best. And as they get better and better and better at design and manufacturing, you know, when we develop a product and we test and it takes us a long time to do it, but that's the result. We have 300 triggers that he did yesterday. He tested 300 and they were all, virtually exactly the same none of them fell out of our very tight specifications and that only came because of the amount of times that i say we but they said it's, no. we, it's a company yeah, said no like parts came they did them together and said no I mean, like, it, it's not good enough it, it, we've, we've it, talked it, about this i mean making a product once good can it, be can be easy anybody can do that consistency is the ultimate challenge it's yeah. the challenge of of beer and what we do i'm sure it's the challenge for you guys you know, and to answer, you know, Jay's question, I think it's um, what's what makes our beer better, or different, you know, not a lot. You know, there is so much incredible quality beer out there and there's so many incredible local companies that you should support that are in, within your own communities. For us, you know, the tiny little details, the attention to the brewing process, the ingredients, never making decisions based on a financial outcome, but always making them on a quality based um, focus. I mean, those little tiny details that are overlooked at many other breweries, you add those up and that's the slight edge that I think makes our product typically superior. Mm -hmm. But there are, you know, great gun manufacturers out there. Well, yeah, I was going to say I agree with what you're saying. And I think maybe what you're saying, especially us being New Hampshire, you being in Washington State, that's where you distribute your beer. We can't get your beer here unless you send it to me. Mm -hmm. Support. If you're not in your area of sales, support companies that are doing what you're doing. Because I want people, if you love guns and you think I'm a douche, you should still support us because my money, it does go to FPC yeah. or Fighting Sock for Us. F. But then, yeah, yeah, So which is also important. And the rest of the money goes into innovation, which helps everyone. Like, I tell you, most of those little haters, the keyboard warriors, they're shooting 300 blackout. They're only, I, and they're only shooting 300 blackout because I did it. And right. suck it. That's the truth. If I hadn't done it, because Remington fought me and essentially fired me over it because right. they thought it was stupid. Well, if I hadn't done that, you wouldn't be shooting it. So That's hmm. like one of, the, one of my favorite things. When I see any sort of contention or any sort of like um, – just what this normal shit we see like recently t-rex arms did a uh a holster with like a hinge on it and they he was a god for a, a day because he open sourced this new hinge thing or whatever and everyone's like this is amazing like look at how great he is because he would he has this idea and he open sourced it i'm like hey have you guys ever heard of like throwing a blackout like yeah like you mean you think this hasn't been done before like people are very quick to forget a lot of the things that uh, yeah, you and also like you, Ethan, like all of the guys before Q, like have done some things. I mean, we talked about ASA, like 
ASA was you, like American Silencer, Silencer Association. Like, yeah. people, people are quick to forget the things that have been done for the industry and the com- the know, community. Like, and, and I mean, and that's okay. Like, I, I don't care. I did never start working in an industry. I started working in an industry because I loved it and I didn't want a job. But you know, I, I definitely didn't start it to make fans or friends. Like, yeah. Don't fucking care. If you don't like me, don't buy our shit. Like, we got a two-year back order on some of the guns. Like, you're not hurting me. I, like, I'll think about you every time I go to the bank. Like, yeah. Okay. That's the thing. Maybe you see it in your industry with consumers, too. But, like, do people ever do people ever tell you the right way to do your, your job? Every day. Okay. Because, yeah. like, we get it all the time where people are like, well, actually, uh, this is the 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 best twist for 300 blackout or whatever i'm like do you understand who you're talking to like do you i mean and if it were then you know i would be open to it like we're not too proud to think we know everything but um every time i get that and i start questioning them it's no one that's ever put in the work and that's what i I was trying to say with your company like if you didn't like you or your company but if you're a consumer support like like brands, people that are trying to do the best quality stuff, to innovate, to to progress things. Like I don't want inconsistent ship beer. I think it's important too. I mean, local economy not being yeah. um, not being dependent on uh, national or global trade in a lot of ways. I think that it's important to say, hey man, we employ local people. Like they go spend the money that I pay them in town at your establishments and that is the local economic circle and that's important you know i think that the reality with beer and and maybe the same is true with guns is there's a beer that someone will say like i love that beer that's my desert island beer i would drink that the rest of my life the only beer ever and someone else will say that fucking shit sucks you know and you go "Ah, you've got a palate that's totally cool and your feedback is important to us the fact is is that we've continued to evolve our business model and some of our beers based on just customer feedback. You mentioned the same thing yesterday. I think, you know, that feedback isn't taken as like being discounted. Like, Oh, like that's some great valid feedback because you have your palate, but you're making this thing for, for more than just that. Yeah. You know, for us, we're not like a boutique brand. We want to make beer that's approachable and acceptable to all people via price point as much as possible, but also making like high quality product. Yeah. And, and and that's a that's a challenge. Yeah. But you know, we want to be responsible company that, that that shares our passion with people and does it at the best possible approachable way. Well, even that too, like just because something isn't your cup of tea or whatever doesn't make it objectively suck. Like I think that that's the the jerk reaction for people who don't like something to just go, "Oh, it sucks." Well, no, it objectively is like like you said you're using the best ingredients, you're using the best processes, whatever. So objectively, it is a good beer. You, it's, you just don't like whatever about it. Typically, just be a more positive person. Yeah. Right? That's well, easy. Even if you don't like it. Shut up, bad even brains. If, yeah. You, even if it's not your cup of tea, like, why you got to hate on it? To me, it's Yeah, that's mu- just being a douche. It's much more powerful to say, hey, that is what they do, and those are the choices they made, and that's great. Like, respect them. Well, and we make our own choices, so make your own choice. Well, for you, it's it's palate, you know, and, and it's so subjective. Yeah quality it's it's like even if i don't like the taste of a beer like quality seems like you can separate it even at my novice level but when it comes to our products like somebody will you know you get some hater will say something and and i try to entertain most of it like they'll dm me of course and i just love that it's all anonymous because i just think that is such a pussy move like if i would say something about your beer i'll say it to your face it's not like 
I'm the toughest guy in the world or I'm trying to have some sort of conflict with you. But it doesn't mean anything if I won't say it to you. And they'll say to us, oh, you know, uh, the honey badger sucks. And, you know, it used to be, obviously, you're trolling. I'll block you and delete you. But, okay, why does it suck? Well, I heard this. You know, it's always these vague things. And it's like, oh, oh, so you're basically just a really angry douchebag in your mom's basement. Yeah. Well, have you, yeah, or they'll, they'll send you a, a video of something like, why does it suck? And then you just get a video of one dude who has 50 YouTube subscribers and he made a video and he's like, I don't, oh, I don't that, like that gun. recent guy where the honey badger, where it's, it's not cycling, but who knows what ammo is he's oh, using right, and yeah. he hasn't adjusted his gas block. Well, yeah. I shouldn't have to adjust my gas block for the gun. To yeah. That's why it's adjustable. Oh, oh, well that, yeah. yeah. You're going from subsonic yeah. to supersonic. I'm shooting subs unsuppressed and it's not cycling. What's the problem? Oh, and you're not using the mag that came with it. Yeah. I think the internet and social media has some incredibly positive impacts, <laughs> But it also has started to eclipse maybe in, you know, if you're not willing to say something to someone's face, like, right. don't type that shit. Or what even a toxic environment. I think to like my kids. Luckily, my kids are young enough right yeah. now and I restrict that a little bit. But what an interesting dynamic in school and high school now with technology and it can be a really toxic environment. And oh, it's so toxic. But, you know, I'm even fine with that because, you know, I think for me, I don't mind risk or conflict as much as the average person but don't say it you don't have to be willing to say it to my face necessarily like i think it's a little bit of a pussy move if you do that but that's my opinion maybe it's not right but if you're unwilling to explain and you make some blanket vague statement with no support well you're the problem but also too many people were raised and taught that their opinion matters. And Frank, like people have this idea of humans oh, as being these elitists the or whatever. voice on social media well, so their opinion matters. Right. Yeah. But like, here's the thing. It's given everyone a voice and that's great for the people who should have a voice. That's awesome. But like, people have this grand idea of humans in general, I think. And honestly, the vast majority, majority of us and our opinions do not you don't it's a, matter. It's incredible to be opinionated and to question quali- or to, to question the information you're being given and come yeah, up with your own opinion. I love that. But also base that on some fucking facts. So don't just make that blanket statement of this. Uh, cool. Yeah. Tell me why. Respond. Because like, I would love to know why. Like that's valuable like, information. But like people say, oh, Kevin's a dirtbag. Okay. Why yeah. am I a dirtbag? Yeah. What, what, what have I done? Well, I heard he did this. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's right, and so, especially when you have a product. And like I said, you know, yours where, where most of it is taste, and so people could argue some stupid points. But like, why even say anything? That's the, that's it, the you know, thing. it's like uh, try to put stuff out there that's helpful in some way. And for me, I love using social media or marketing to make bold statements. But if I say something, it's for a reason. Like this morning, I posted a uh, cherry bomb muzzle break, and it shows how well the taper works. And that's helpful to someone, you know, as far as if you're a potential customer and you're looking at products, whether it's ours or others, this is an important feature of a device like this. Yeah. And, you know, it's... Like, why not put something out there that's helpful in the world? But then, I, you know, I just take it for granted because I generally work and I'm surrounded by a lot of smart people every day that are, like, 
given to wanting to contribute to advancing something. And so then you'll ask people, okay, well, if you feel that way, why or what product do you recommend or why is it better? And then I love when they come back, well, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, the, the thing oh, for me I don't oh. understand is like if I'm scrolling and maybe I'm in the minority, but if I'm scrolling through social media and I see something that I don't like or that I'm just like, that's stupid, I go, that's stupid. And I just go buy it. Like I will never hit up Lowe's and be like, hey, those lag bolts you guys carry suck. And like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what? Well, Lowe's sucks. Yeah. Like, I get ride for a team. That's cool. And shout it as loud as you can outside. But like, how do you just have the time of the day? And when we talk about time of the day, like, I spend my day on the internet reading all these things like on social media. That's what I'm supposed to do with my day. And I still don't have the time to be like, this is stupid. And why, then go why on. take the time out of your day to, to be negative? Yeah. But if you want to make it, a decision, well, you, you know why speak the strongest way possible, be a consumer, I, spend your money or don't spend your money. Yeah, well, exactly. because most of them aren't actual consumers. And the other part is it, you're getting better. That's a good amount of head there, sir. Great amount of head. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and it's it's funny because then people want to get into, well, 300 Whisper, you didn't do 300, yeah. you know, or, or whatever the thing was that, you know, like I might get credit for and it bothers this person. And then I'm just like, okay, what have you accomplished in your life? Yeah. Like you're pointing out all of my accomplishments that you think are fake. And that makes you like, that urges you to post on social media. Don't support me. Like, okay, well... Tell me why anyone should listen to you. What have you accomplished in your life that I would recognize? Because I don't know who you are, and like, how silly is it that you're trolling another dude? Yeah. Like, if if you think I'm cute, like, slide in the DM. Don't like go on there and challenge me like that. Like, what have you accomplished in life? If you want to challenge mine, I'm not out here saying, like, I got all these awards for being the greatest innovator in the history of firearms. No. But it, it to me, I also understand. I have peers in our industry, and I don't ever hear this shit from them. Right. I uh, I saw something recently on Instagram. It was kind of a retort to a question that you asked or whatever. I, I think you, like you kind of just said, you were like, okay, well, tell me what is incorrect about this or whatever. And someone said some shit, or the, and they said something. They kind of referenced something. You're a wife beater. Oh, yeah, well... Um, it wasn't that that I was thinking of, but they referenced something that was on the podcast. And I'm like, this dude spends his entire day trying to just like uh, negate anything that Q does. And he referenced something that was on the podcast. And I'd be like, so you watch the podcast. Yeah. This looks chill and relaxed and trust me it is it's not a lot of work we get paid a ton of money for it like this is where we make primary income is doing this podcast so please don't leave comments don't subscribe don't share it definitely don't leave a review don't tell anybody that this is a podcast and don't tell them to watch please honestly just stop listening stop watching don't buy any of our clothes our guns just please don't this podcast this makes all the money just don't watch.